0: Dun dun See, the problem with that is, then my pastor will kick me out of my church.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, as you'll hear later in our right-wing note of the week, you don't want to get kicked in a certain spot. Uh, but
0: uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he would kick uh, me uh, there, but he would definitely uh, if, kick me out of the church.
1: If, if God's been speaking to him, he might. You never can
0: tell. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs>
0: People are going to get that. Uh, They're going to get that when uh, they hear. When yeah, hear. exactly.
1: Alrighty, welcome in. Alabama politics this week. Uh, it's going to be a good one. Uh, well, you know, I say that every week. I don't know if it's going to be a good or not. You tell me at the end. We would really appreciate it if you would go on and, and leave us a nice review uh, on, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, there. It, it really helps, you know, boost the show up some. And, uh, you know, it helps us make more money, uh, which God knows we could use. Um, but, you know, I, have, I do have a little of them running around if that makes you feel. <laughs> yeah
0: pull uh, you need to what you need to do uh-huh. is like project her uh, well that's right they don't see us and yeah it, it, but maybe you can bring her on one day as a guest and she can talk about how you know she needs a new pair of shoes yeah
1: uh, 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 listen I, I i don't think i could do it with a straight face man if, <laughs> if I, I i couldn't i couldn't I, if if you see, have seen this closet in here it's uh, it's uh, I, I'm, I'm to the point I'm tripping over Barbie shoes. Uh, oh, so I man. mean, it's, you know, I mean, not, not only has she got too many shoes, the Barbies that she's got, has got too many shoes as well. Uh, and it's just, uh, oh, by the way, that the other voice you hear is David Person and I'm, I'm Josh Moon. And so it's, I just yeah, wanted to make sure everybody the one without, understood.
0: The one who's not tripping over any Barbie shoes. <laughs> no, no Barbie shoes at your house, right? No Barbie shoes.
1: No. Uh, well, so, uh, I, we, we might not have changed the name of this to the Alabama police this week, uh, podcast, hmm. uh because we are we're we're pretty much a hundred percent police these days uh you know it given things that have gone on and uh, and our uh reporting slash involvement uh with various yeah. uh things having to do with uh with the police both in Huntsville and now in in montgomery uh I was i spent some time this week uh, reporting on uh, an incident that occurred there and uh and i guess we will we start we can start with that and uh and then later get back into the latest on the on the huntsville stuff and what's going on there. Uh, with the uh, uh william darby uh who's still somehow employed three weeks later after being convicted of murder mm-hmm. uh but um the the situation in Huntsf- or in montgomery i'm sorry uh in montgomery is uh is a little different and it um it is one of the weirdest things i've seen uh you know the way this has all kind of transpired and and what happened and i I still don't think we we've settled this because i think people are, are very skeptical of, of the police. Uh, and, and in some cases they, they've earned that. Um, you know, I, I think that, that David and I might, might disagree a little bit on, on where we think things stand right now, but, um, you know, what happened essentially was on May 18th, uh, police shot, Montgomery police shot and killed. They said that night that they had exchanged gunfire and, uh, a man named, uh, Gary Moncrief, uh, who was at that time, uh, according to them, a kidnapping suspect, um, was was killed. And so that was the story. And then a few days ago, uh, I received a press release from an attorney who was representing uh, Gary Moncrief's family. And he told me in an interview later that they had uh, viewed um, surveillance footage, uh, security footage from the hotel. And had uh, seen that uh, Gary Moncrief was, in fact, unarmed and had never fired a gun at police. Um, that uh, he went out, uh, left the hotel, got into a car that was there waiting on him that contained his mother and aunt and a family friend. Um, and uh, police pulled up behind them real really fast in a black SUV. Uh, they hopped out and began firing into the car unprompted. Uh, that, uh, on the video, you could see, uh, Gary Moncrief get in, he's starting to get into the car when he notices the, the, uh, the police vehicle approaching, uh, and he looks up at it, gets into the car anyway, uh, and sets down, uh, and then a few minutes later, you can see him slump over, or a few seconds later, you can see him slump over in the seat after being shot, and so, th- uh, you know, and then they held a press conference on the steps of the courthouse uh, of the federal building there in Montgomery and, um, uh, you know, brought the car out there to to show the bullet holes. And uh, then later on Wednesday, later on Wednesday, the police held their own uh, police and district attorney held their own uh, press conference to describe what they said happened at this thing. And their ultimate conclusion here is that uh, Gary Moncrief committed suicide. Um, now, if that sounds unbelievable, I can completely understand that, you know, uh, but I, I, I do think that may be what happened. Uh, and, and I say that because I have in my professional dealings dealt with Daryl Bailey, who is the Montgomery County District Attorney. Uh, and I have found Daryl to always be straight with me. Um, uh, you know, I, I know some, some other people may disagree with, with this here or there, but I think the overarching, uh, opinion of Daryl Bailey is that he pretty well shoots things straight down the middle on stuff. Uh, he was the one who prosecuted the cop in Montgomery a few years ago, uh, ended up getting a conviction out of that. And so I don't think, uh, that that Daryl would spin things if it weren't true, and and especially if he comes out and says emphatically, uh, the medical examiner has told me that the bullet that killed Gary Moncrief entered through the roof of entered through his mouth and went and exited out the back of his head, uh, and there would have been no way for that to have occurred uh, from a shooting from the police, and that a nine millimeter handgun was recovered by police at his feet
0: at right. that time. So, so that's
1: yeah, that's where we, things stand.
0: Right, right. So my problem with this is not whether or not Mr. Moncrief committed suicide. Mm-hmm. My problem is that, regardless of how he died, whether it's through suicide or whether he was hit by one of the bullets fired by the police, mm-hmm. we know without dispute the police fired into a vehicle Mm -hmm. where this man was and where other people were. So in my mind, we are still looking at a situation in which you have police officers acting in a way that was reckless Mm -hmm. as it related to the lives of the other people. Mm -hmm. Um, you, You can't tell me that good policing says that in order to save, you know, even if they thought these other people were at risk, that they thought Mr. Moncrief was going to do harm to them. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me the solution is, Oh, well let's just shoot into the car and maybe yeah. we'll hit Kill Mr. Everybody. Moncrief. Yeah. And maybe yeah. we we'll, you know, because in the meantime, you're putting the other people at risk.
1: No, I, I understand it. And, and I'll say this too, uh, as part of the, uh, reporting that did on this, I, I think it was known to police, um, you know, who was in the car and that they had. Um, so it wasn't like a situation where they felt like they were pulling up on a car with a bunch of gang members, you know, for lack of a better term or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, however they would term it, that, that that there was a car full of threats there. Uh, they had had a conversation with Moncrief's mother, uh, right. Montgomery police had uh, earlier right. in the day. Now I, they were, there were some hints uh, at the press conference. That uh, they believe that his mother and aunt and family friend could have possibly, possibly been there to take him and try to hide him from police, but there's no Does proof. Justify of that. the
0: shooting, though. No, it
1: doesn't justify anything. Right. Uh, and so I'm saying that you know what they what they did. You're you're 100% right. I mean, they just now you know I, I think the the pro police stance on this would be well the the man fired at him. That's what they thought. They thought if, if what the police say is true, they believe that he was firing at them when he fired because the bullet exited his, his head, came out the back window. So they hear a gunshot. The back glass shatters from the exit of the bullet, and they believe that he was firing at them. And so they return uh, three shots at him. Now, does that justify shooting into an occupied vehicle where, you know, three other
0: people are sitting who have not who are not suspected of committing any crime right or, at that point I mean they mm-hmm. can't you know there was speculation i mean one certainly the account that i read uh and josh i didn't i didn't get to uh read your account before we started recording, but I did read the account that was in al dot com and according to that uh account the the police believed that uh, perhaps what they were doing was planning to take Mister Moncrief in to turn himself in. At least that mm-hmm. was one aspect. Now, of that's the what reporting. the
1: attorney said was going on.
0: Right? Was, was that, right.
1: that that a mother had told them that she would go and get him and right. allow him to turn himself in at that point? So, and, and, and let me let me also say, very hurtful, David.
0: Uh, but, um, well, it, you know. I'm sorry. I just, I, I didn't realize you had written. I didn't even realize you'd written a piece uh, though. That's, that's good on yeah. you because you got uh, you know, on it. You again, got on it early. Hurtful David. Very hurtful.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> you're not checking every day for my stuff. It's very hurtful. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, I, uh, I'm completely joking, but look, no, you're, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, it's that, uh, yeah, it's, it's very, very reckless. And I listen, you know, I, I think there's some people. Uh, here's a, here, let me tell you what my biggest problem is. Mm-hmm. The hell is the video? Why right. Why can't we just see the video? Right, right. Now I'll stand up there and tell me what's happened and everything right. else. I'll spend an hour and a half talking right. about all this stuff. Show me the video. Show me That's what's happened. Right. I understand why the attorney can't do it. The guy at the Microtel Hotel won't give it to him. And he didn't mm-hmm. have any subpoena power yet. Uh, but I, I think as soon as they open the estate, to, uh, uh, which could have been today, they will then be allowed to subpoena that video, and I think that right. you know he'll he'll turn it over. Um, and but uh, there's no reason for the cops now. This is is uh, the 18th, so we're we're on nine days. Uh, mm. We record on Thursdays. We're nine days post this thing. There's no reason why they could not have. Uh, provided the the body cam dash cam video and the and the surveillance video from the hotel that they are in possession of there's no reason why they couldn't have played that for people That's so right. you could have seen what happened they, they could That's have blurred right. it out it takes literally 15 minutes to blur that thing out uh, so you right. so you don't see the actual death of what you know or that, that occurs so mm-hmm. if this is what happened there's no reason not to do that there's not right. uh, you right. know this is this should be public uh, video available to everybody and I guarantee you guarantee you that part of the consideration for not turning for not showing that video is the fact that they are afraid that doing so would in, uh, would would mean in later cases that they would have to make that public and that is bullshit mm-hmm. uh, it, there's no reason why uh, people should not be able to see what their police do uh, in a situation like that there's Absolutely. no reason why
0: you shouldn't be able to see it there's another too there's another disturbing and I have to be honest and say quite honestly surprising. Uh, development with this this case, and that is that uh our friend, the mayor of Montgomery huh. Stephen Reed, has weighed in in a way that uh, seems to me to be extremely provocative and cool. unnecessarily so i have never seen anything like that yeah where he where he where he launches this personal attack on the attorneys calling them pimps and hustlers.
1: Yeah, I mean, shysters, talks about their exploitation of George Floyd and exploitation of the Moncrief family uh, and how they had used this whole, uh, you know, how they were going to go after them. Uh, The city was going to see what they could do to go after those attorneys to punish them in some way, and that they shouldn't be members of the Bar Association anymore because of what they had done. And. Wow. I, I, I got to be honest. Here's the thing about it: Are there bad attorneys out there? Yes, there there are. And I don't know Michael Strickland um, very well. He's was, he's was the lead guy on this. and the one that sent the stuff out. I, I don't know him at, at all, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've heard of him, you know, and haven't have been around Montgomery reported for a long time. You know, I knew of Michael Strickland, but uh, it was always. You know, n- nothing nothing like that. I mean, it's not like he's Alexander Shannara on billboards out there hustling right. up, you know, chasing ambulances and things. Right. Um, it, it was, he doesn't run that kind of business. And, um, I, you know, so that seems really out of line uh, for, for, you know, what, what is being alleged there with what I know of, of Michael Strickland, limited as it may be. Uh, but then in addition to that, I, the, man, the, it seems very, very plausible to me. Very, very plausible that he viewed this video uh and which i don't think there's audio uh, on this, and he viewed this video and heard the the what uh Moncrief's mother and aunt and friend said to him, and that video supported what they said um uh, you know mm-hmm. because it it uh, even according to what Bailey said yesterday, it was within uh, you know it, it like that you know that the gunshot, if, if what he, he said was true, if what Bailey said was true, and Moncrief shot himself, he shot himself, and then the police immediately fired three shots into the car. So I think it would have been very easy for someone, especially someone who's, who's watching this with, with or without audio, to confuse what took place there without yeah. an explanation from police. And he asked for an explanation from police. He asked them to turn over the dash cam and body cam video and any surveillance video that they had. They never responded to the man it, mm. a, it, a week later. And they still had not responded to him about this, even though he, he had told them that he was representing the family on this. And so they right. they knew that something was coming. And so I, it's I mean, I just I, listen, I like Stephen. I do. Right. I like Steven so do lying. I. So but I. I think, yeah.
0: man, this was out of line—really, well, really out of line. Well, and I'm trying to figure out what is the even if you believe, even if you honestly believe that they're pimps and hustlers, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. My question is, what's the upside in launching a public attack on these attorneys? How does that benefit the city's case in in the court of public opinion? How does that? Yeah. How does that? How does that accrue to the benefit of of Mayor Stephen Reed politically? I just I don't see an upside there. Well, I, I, I honestly I'd say this. I
1: think uh, I think first of all, I think I think Stephen was legitimately mad uh, that and, and and believed completely. That they were, they that they were trying to use the Floyd death and anniversary, which you know it was a, a year to the date that they they released this stuff, and so it was on that anniversary. And he felt like they had intentionally done this, um, and with you know with a focus on uh, you know community policing and things like that that were that were taking well, place all around. Well, and well, can we
0: can we stop there for a minute? sure? Sure. Well, let's say for the sake of argument that they did. Uh-huh. What's wrong with that? I mean, the the job of an attorney is to represent your client's interest as robustly as you can. Sure. Well, I think he was saying that they did it
1: uh, false with 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 bad intentions, that they knew that there was nothing here. But they and as a matter of fact, he said this. Their intent was to use uh, the the public pressure uh, to back the city into a corner for a settlement. Well,
0: I I would say, again, attorneys have a right to to represent the interest of their client as vigorously uh, as possible. Yeah, but I I, I would also and then I would also add, Josh, real quickly, I would also add that we don't know how could we possibly know at this point whether or not the information is bad or good. And and even if because, again, we haven't seen the body cam footage that hasn't Mm -hmm. been. You know, the attorneys haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. And then finally, you still have the unresolved question of why in the world are police firing into a car where there's a suspect, uh, but also three other individuals who they know are not suspects. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I agree with all that, and, I, and I'm not really uh, arguing with you about this. I, I and because I think ultimately, like I said, I think Stephen was wrong for what he said, but um, I, I do think that in 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 his mind, he believed that they they knew that there was nothing to this, and instead of letting it go, they chose to attempt to uh, almost commit a fraud uh, by exploiting. Uh, you know the Black Lives Matter stuff and uh, movement, and and the stuff with uh, that was surrounding the George Floyd anniversary, and and use that to further their fraud. Is is I, and I'm, I'm using the term fraud here. Uh, that, no, he didn't use that, but uh, and and I don't believe that that's what they were doing. I don't I don't think that that's what Michael Strickland was doing at all. Uh, but I think that's what Reed believed. Was that they were they were using this, and that's the reason why he got so angry. And and I'll say too, I think part of it was, um, you know, wh- where the benefit lies for them in doing it this way is he was attempting to paint the attorneys as the villains in this instead of allowing the police department to be the villains. Uh, and so he was saying, here are these attorneys who have exploited this family. Uh, while the police and everybody else was doing what they could do uh, in this situation. And, and they were right. And instead of uh, letting it go, these attorneys uh, instead tried to exploit this poor family by capitalizing on the anniversary of George Floyd's death and, and the national movement that has occurred. And so, I, you know, I, I like I said, wow. I think it's it's wrong what, what took place because I, I, I don't yeah. think. Yeah, you know, just the facts of this thing, man. You look at it, and 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 it's. I think it's very reasonable. Hell, the police thought this is what happened. The police thought mm. they killed him. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's right. what they told everybody that's the right. night of this thing. So, right. I mean, it's yeah. it's very unfair, and I think they owe him an apology. I think they owe Michael Strickland and that firm an apology uh, for what they did uh, in this mm-hmm. and what he said and and how they portrayed them, and and to say that uh, if because one part in there he said, you know, if, if he if he didn't know the facts, he could have known. Them. Well, well how? how? Well, how? I mean, yeah, he took the only avenue
0: available to him. Right. Uh, you know, and, and, and it wasn't, and they, they ignored him. And so, and I, and, I just, and, you know, and I think a lot of times public officials forget or, or they purposely ignore the fact that the facts aren't what a public official says. Mm-hmm. The facts are, are, because that's automatically subjective, the facts are objective. Yes. The facts speak for themselves. The fact isn't well because the police chief said XYZ or the mayor says XYZ that that's a fact. No. Yeah,
1: yeah no. No. Exactly. Uh I just uh, it, it, no, you're right 100% man and I, and you I I just you know sometimes um it's one of the reasons why why I, I, I like, uh uh like Stephen Reed is is that I can relate to him because I think he does like me and sometimes we both say things not necessarily recognizing the impact of the things that we're saying. Um, And, and I think this is one of those cases where, uh, you know, he got, he got a little heated and he said some stuff uh, that, you know, might be uh, better said behind closed doors somewhere. uh, Mm -hmm. And he said it in front of microphones and cameras. And, um, you know, I, I just, you know, may, may and listen. Maybe there's something else here that that we're unaware of that took place. Um, you know, but I I don't think so. Uh, you know, and haven't because I read the response back from from Michael Strickland uh, yesterday and put it in the in the story that I wrote that David didn't read. Uh, that um, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, it was a very good story. I hate he didn't read it. Uh, but it, it's um the. <laughs> The- well,
0: you know, it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> I ran out of time. You know, I like, I mean, by uh, the time you sent me the link, you know, and then you also <laughs> sent me another link that I had to listen to. I mean, I ran out of time.
1: It just, uh, well, I, I, last last night when all this was going on, uh, I said, and my wife asked me what I was watching. I said, I watched this video about the uh, Gary Moncrief shooting. And she said, the who shooting? What happened?
0: What What's going on? I was like, Oh, thanks for reading. Uh, so, yeah, uh, <laughs> you didn't you know. publish the story until this morning. Well, I, no, I, but I talked about. I read. I published the story yesterday. Well, I read that one. Right. I read that one, but that one didn't include the updates. So right. I no, no. That I'm you just you saying. No, I was talking about my. I was talking about
1: my wife last night. Well, I, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. comparing oh, you to her. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, you both have let me down
1: tremendously. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so no it's a uh, you know that th- his response Strickland's response back was essentially lie, you know what are you talking about? you know I' you know I, I viewed the video and and had testimony from the mother and aunt who were in the car mm. and it, it is very reasonable for an attorney to make assumptions based on what they view on video and the testimony of people that they've interviewed several really? times and that didn't change really? and they, and those listen. At that press conference, the uh, his mother and aunt still maintained that no shot came from in that car. And mm. so, what what is that man supposed to do? I right. mean, to me, he went to the I mean, he went to the to the hotel, uh talked his way into being able to see that video, and uh, while the guy wouldn't give it to him, he allowed him to view it. And so they they sat at that hotel and watched it uh, several times over and took notes about it. And I don't know what else he could have done. I don't know. I mean, it just—he requested the stuff from MPD. I, yeah, I, I, I just think it's very unfair, and I, I think that you know that, that they they should apologize to Michael Strickland and, and his firm for for saying the things that they did. Unless there's something else that I'm unaware of, and if there is, then they should have said that at the press conference because it's it's really unfair to leave it that way.
0: And to and to the people who will say, well, you know. Uh, the account of what Mr. Uh, Moncrief did that precipitated this whole event, you know, allegedly going uh, into the uh uh what let's see, he went into the house, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, house and beat her and, up pretty good. And, yeah, and, and and threatened her with a gun and yep. all that. All of that is horrible. There's no yes. I mean, if that's if that's what happened. That's absolutely horrible. Yes, it is. But, but none of that, and my, my point would be that, you know, um, he should be, if he did all of that, then he should be alive today to be prosecuted yeah. for, for those actions. Yeah. He shouldn't be dead. He shouldn't be dead without having uh, been, uh, been put in front of a jury to be found innocent or guilty.
1: Well, the you know the punishment for that is not death uh, for for any of those things that he is that's he right doing
0: um, that's
1: and, right. But you know, I, I I you know having having looked at his previous record um, and and the allegations that he faced uh, from that day, and, and and there was a restraining order against him as well mm-hmm. by the, the same young lady that uh, that he took uh, it, uh, allegedly took at gunpoint uh, out mm-hmm. of there um I, I I will say that that it may explain why he might have chosen to to commit suicide if that was the case um, mm-hmm. you know um, because he I, I think he was probably facing a, a really, really long uh, prison sentence out of this, uh, just looking at at where he stood in the in the justice system uh, if that's what took place and we'll know yeah. if that's what took place or not um you know and, and but there was a hundred percent correct there there's no there's no reason why uh you know firing into that unprompted should have been the route that anybody took because it's it's not you know that that was not something that that should have taken place because at the time he was not threatening them for sure, so all right, oh no man we we have such happy
0: stories um look I'm gonna tell you, man, this is just damn depressing I mean that this is yeah. That 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 week after week, month after month, and, and literally year after year, we're we're dealing with these either it's police shootings mm-hmm. of unarmed people or questionable police shootings of armed people, or 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 then of course we got the the mass shooting that happened. Uh, was that yesterday morning yep. uh, out in uh, San Jose, California? Yep. You know, it's just. This, this gun violence is just pervasive, man. You know, it, yeah. in all of these different forms, it's profoundly disturbing. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and, and by the way, it, it, it really pisses me off that there are still people that, that question, well, why do you get so upset about police shootings of black people or, 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 or others, but you don't say anything about black-on-black crime? You know, that's the most asinine, ignorant argument yeah. that there is. The government exists to protect the people, mm-hmm. to help the people's lives to flourish. Yeah. That's why we're angry. You well, know, that's yeah. why, because, because of all entities, we should be able to count on the police to protect and serve as they claim to be doing and as they are most of the time. You know, uh, so no, what do you mean? Why are we angry? Of course we're angry.
1: That's uh, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, as I as I often tell people who say that I said so. You're saying that the police should be no better than the than these criminal thugs that you exactly. Uh, exactly. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're comparing
0: them to? But exactly.
1: Yeah, you're right, man. It uh, it can get to it can get to you. Um, yeah. And and I can only imagine. You know, I have no concept whatsoever uh, whatsoever of of dealing with it as a as a black man or woman and. um you know and so i can't I can't even begin to fathom that and so uh but it, even even for me it's you know it's just frustrating to keep dealing with it over and over and over again and hear the ignorant excuses uh you know time and time again well
0: you you should be worried because you don't have any hair you you wear you you got the Michael Jordan look and you keep right. a tan, so you need to be worried <laughs> because from a distance you could be mistaken for a brother from a distance. <laughs> Especially if the if the lighting is is, is not quite is right. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, say, well, well, I, I'm uh, you know, uh, I'll say this: if there's music playing, I got nothing to worry about because I got no rhythm. So, um, <laughs> uh, um, you know. Um,
0: <laughs> well, let um, me let you in on a little secret. Yeah. When it comes to dancing, neither do I.
1: Oh man, come on now.
0: Neither do I.
1: Um, all right, we're going to uh, slide out and hopefully uh, w- we'll be a little more upbeat uh, with uh, with Alicia Brooks uh, from the Southern Poverty Law Center is going to come in and talk about a uh, a podcast that they have and the focus is on uh, the monuments and, and symbols of hate. Uh, so may- maybe not yeah. that much more upbeat, but <laughs> so, well, no, <laughs> yeah. but, but you know, but it's, it's good I, to learn.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be a little bit because we have been I mean, this is this is kind of depressing.
1: <laughs> so. It really so, is.
0: Yeah. Really yeah so,
1: is. so listen. You know what I said. Maybe it's not that great of a show. I don't you know.
0: <laughs> we'll try to pick it up.
1: Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll Let the people.
0: Here. Let the people judge.
1: Yeah. All right. We'll be back in
2: Alabama politics. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All righty. Welcome back in to Alabama Politics This Week. Uh, Josh Moon, David Person, and we are happy now to uh, be joined by Lisa Brooks. She is the uh, chief of staff at the Southern Poverty Law Center. And uh, we're going to we're going to talk about their podcast, um, which is what we do. Podcast promoting pro- podcast. Uh, and it's the Sounds Like Hate podcast. Uh, and uh, the first episode of the second season. Uh, has, has now dropped, and it is uh, monumental problems, and it is of particular interest to the folks here in Alabama because it focuses on, because uh, it, it, this podcast, the Southern Poverty Law Center does, goes all over, uh, so it's not just focused strictly on Alabama, even though they're based here, uh, but this particular episode uh, is focused on uh, the issues in Florence and removing monuments up there, um, and, and welcome in, Lisa, uh, I'm happy to have you.
2: Thank you, Josh. I'm so happy to be with you and David. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I I guess what,
1: uh, what was the, the, the podcast purpose uh, and, and what uh, was that first season like? And you, I, I'm, obviously y'all felt like it was a pretty good success because you, you're doing a second season.
2: Well, yeah, thank you. I mean, you know, the Southern Poverty Law Center, lots of nonprofit organizations that have existed for a long time or, trying to catch up with the times. And we've recognized that podcasts are a great way to get our information out. So we worked with these producers to develop this narrative format in terms of talking about hate and extremism. Most people will, will kind of you know remember or recall the Southern Poverty Law Center. We still put out the map, the hate map, and it's information that tells about kind of the hate groups that exist across the United States we really wanted to get into what's behind that, what inspires and calls people to join into hate and extremism groups, right? So the story behind Sounds Like Hate was really to get a kind of a behind the the scenes look and to also really um, point to the warning signs about radicalization and how easy it is for someone to get caught up in hate and extremism before they even know about it. So the first season, our inaugural season, really followed a young woman who um, really just found herself in the middle of, of, of a hate group before she knew what was what was going on. And more importantly, uh, we followed her journey to try to extricate and remove herself from that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we hope to do the same in season two to kind of add some nuance to... To our our research, if you will, around hate and extremism in the US. Because as you know, it's a growing problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it it seems to to never die uh, and to only get worse for Mm -hmm. some. Terrible reason. Uh, you know, the, the second season I've listened to. I did listen to uh, to most of the first season and I uh, uh, listened to this first episode uh, because it, it features someone that we've had on our program, uh, Camille Bennett, uh, who's a part of the project. Say anything. Uh, say, something. So, say something. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Say something. Um and um, hey, yes, it's, it's a lot better name than Satan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so so, <laughs> so uh, it makes sense why they would go with that. And not my idea, uh, but uh, so, uh, but it is you know uh, I, I think there there are a lot of portions of that that were uh, that were I don't know if they were necessarily eye opening, but they were so tr- uh, true and so true to what you hear all the time from people about the monuments. Uh, which is, and we're just used to them, you know, they're there, who are they hurting, you know? And, and, and I think that uh, this sheds a, a, a really solid light on what the purpose of those monuments were and, uh, and what they're doing. And uh, I, it just, I, I don't understand what, why people are so attached to these things.
2: Well, Josh, I mean, you grow up with something, it just becomes a part of, part of your everyday life. You see it. You, you tell yourself a story about what it means and, and when someone tries to introduce something contrary to what what you thought, then all of a sudden you get protective and you want to keep, you want to be, remain surrounded by those things that you grew up with. Um, you know the Southern Poverty Law Center issued a report whose heritage in 2016, in the aftermath of the, the massacre in Charleston, South Carolina, where we began to kind of realize that these, these symbols of the Confederacy, and in particular the Confederate flag, were serving to radicalize young people and to feed into this, this narrative that that has continued since post-Civil War about the lost cause and what what the Confederacy was, what it was about, what the Civil War was fought over and all of that. So as, as communities like the one in Florence, um, Seek to remove these symbols of the Confederacy from their public space and in uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center certainly supports that people are, are getting all been out been out of the frame and want to protect these monuments and are and are, quite frankly. Um, not interested in knowing the facts of the of, of, as to how and why these symbols of the Confederacy are scattered all over public space there's over 2000. Um, symbols of the Confederacy that are all across the United States in places that had nothing to do with the Civil War. Um, so yeah, so we 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 hope to continue to shed a light on that and support communities like um, the, that in Florence that um, wants to to rid these these symbols of the Confederacy from public space.
0: You know, uh, Licia, um, it it seems to me as though well first of all let me let me let me step back a minute. The Southern Poverty Law Center, in my estimation, is one of the most important entities in our country, let alone our yeah. state and I just want to take a moment to say thank you for the pioneering work you've done. Not only have you uh been able to uh, do what you know activists and governments have tried to do unsuccessfully and that was basically dismantle the ku klux klan as a viable organization but you also helped to create lay the foundation for what is now the modern social justice movement and and you've created a space now that uh, is inhabited by other great organizations like the Equal Justice Initiative and others. So, again, I just want to thank you uh, as a representative of SPLC for for that work. Now, it seems to me that one of the biggest challenges you face is that there are a lot of people who, due to their education, and due to the information to which they've been exposed through their families, who honestly believe that, and sincerely believe, that these monuments and other overt manifestations of the hate that the Confederacy represents is, in fact, not at all hate. It's heritage. And and many of them even seem to be either oblivious to or in denial about what the confederacy actually is even when you present them with the documents that say <laughs> hey look this is what the founders of the confederacy that's right. said it is
2: that's right
0: so how do you how do you
2: combat this well first of all david thank you so much um for, for that that your kind and generous um, comments about the work of the Southern Poverty Law Center. I'm certainly um, grateful to be associated with with this organization. Thank you also for lifting up the work of EJI. And we we, um, regularly depend on the great research that they have done um, with respect to identifying uh, Confederate iconography. And so together groups like SPLC and EJI will continue to present the facts prevent the present the information, um, you know, things that you're taught to believe that come from your family that are reinforced by, you know, your church, the school, um, what you see with your, with your own eyes are really very, very difficult to unlearn. And we understand that I understand that. And when you think about, the narrative of the lost cause and how carefully and meticulously that has been um, pushed out in terms of a propaganda propaganda campaign post the civil war movement, uh, the end of the civil war, you could see and recognize that it's going to be challenging to undo that. It was, it was, the um United Daughters of the Confederacy, and this is interesting because everything kind of you know comes back to the same. white women lifting up and cleaning up what they thought the work, the good work of white men uh, who fought on the side of the Confederacy, lost, wanted to find a way to to reassert their supremacy and did that by creating this narrative of nobility and um, um, that these people fought for a cause that was so just and so righteous that they need to be venerated in public space. So they set about creating these monuments and statues that would support that narrative. And they appeared everywhere. And so, Families were then kind of raised to believe this your your relatives, our forebears, you know stood up, stood against the tyranny of the north to protect our land, whatever it was gone gone with the wind, kind of mythology and and now, when truth is being presented that it was a deliberate propaganda campaign not meant to honor the war dead because our research shows that there were two peaks in history when these monuments were were erected primarily. Post reconstruction and at the beginning of the Jim Crow era and then during the civil rights movement. Both times in our history where African-Americans were asserting or reasserting civil and human rights, right? And so it was intentional that these went up at that time to reassert white supremacy. The, the the majority of the monuments that we're dealing with, well, not a majority, but a good number of the major of the monuments that we're dealing with now in school names, because we're doing a lot around kind of trying to get the names of schools that were named after these, after these so-called heroes changed, went up during the civil rights movement post Brown v Board of Education. So, to your question, we just have to keep. Asserting the facts, and we certainly recognize this today, as we kind of as we find ourselves in the position of reasserting the facts, pushing back on the big lie about the about the presidential election. It's the same thing, mm-hmm. right? We find ourselves in a place where you know this a, a narrative is being being sewed, and it's important for us to push back on it. Otherwise, it will take hold, just right. like it did, just like it did in the um you know 1860s late 1860s
0: so speaking of challenges <clears throat> the the current challenge seems to be this sort of neo revisionism you know you've got uh, the denigration of the 1619 project you've got uh, the overt attacks on critical race theory What's the Southern Poverty Law Center strategy going to be in, in trying to uh, make sure that 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 these uh, these two concepts, critical race theory, or, or I say what well, one concept in a project, mm-hmm. that they that they are able to continue to function and flourish in our society?
2: Well, thanks for that question. Um, as you may know, the Southern Poverty Law Center, through our anti bias um, education work a program formerly known as Teaching Tolerance, it's just been changed to Learning for Justice, has, we put out our curriculum called Teaching Hard History right before 1619 Project came out. So I say that to say that we're in full alignment with social justice teaching, with, with, with um, culturally relevant pedagogy, with bringing truth and interrogating all of U.S. history, so that students can become um, active and informed participants in the democracy. So, we will continue to push out and promote um, critical race theory as as fundamental to education. I think what what we're discovering is, is that, you know, we talk about miseducation or kind of, you know, under-resourced schools not providing a proper education. Even the most well-resourced schools have not been teaching the full truth or the full history. And as Brian Stevenson would tell you, we will never get to be the place that we want to be or that we purport to be, or that we kind of, you know, hold up as this ideal unless unless and until we face the truth of our history and reconcile ourselves to that, um, the Southern Poverty Law Center is moving more intentionally into the policy space, and we you know signed on to some letters of support around critical race theory with the Department of Education and certainly trying to put, put, push back and make sure um, the former presidents You know, initiative to to push patriotic education, which some could say that that's what you've been that's what that's what I was taught, right? Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, yeah, we're that's something that 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 we will continue to um make a a, an important part of our work here at the Southern Poverty Law Center.
1: You know, it's always it's always struck me the the hatefulness with which things were, were done and, and, ex- and, and that we accept, uh, like the, the names of the schools that you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, many of those were named particularly in Montgomery, mm-hmm. where I'm very familiar with, uh, they were named after, uh, so many white people pulled their children right. out of public schools and created private schools there, and then they named the schools that they <laughs> left behind. That's right for the Confederate people. That's- I mean, this is a this is legit, and we just accept it. And there are people fighting. And I've, this is the thing that has never. I, I can't. I don't understand why people uh, latch on to this heritage thing so so boldly. Let's say your your forefathers, whoever the hell, back in the uh, in, in those days, uh, were were convinced that they were coming for their land and they fought on the, on the side of the South. Okay. What? You know, it's wrong now. Mm -hmm. Why are you still standing up for Mm -hmm. this? I mean, and it just, and the, the miseducation of everybody to the point of that's not even the Confederate flag. You know I mean? It's it's also, it drives me insane. It's just, this is the flag the Klan used, man. That's why it's there. Um, How do you, I mean it it's kind of seem like a dawning thing every day right it just got kind of, it's it's like banging your head against a wall is it not
2: no it, it, it's completely that i mean gosh i never thought of it that way like they named the schools and left them at the same time to ensure mm-hmm. that the 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 black kids that were going to go that, that were there will 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 know mm-hmm. you know that that um they are not equal citizens and and this is this is the point of of our research in whose heritage that that it's not these symbols are not benign they are meant to support and assert and reassert white supremacy and black inferiority that that's it and and, and it's not about heritage um, it's not about teaching history history is not told through monuments and memorials history is taught through through, through education educational system monuments statutes tell me what the society values Mm -hmm. who you venerate in public space tells me more about your values than any history you have these huge outside monuments of robert e lee and to your point josh robert e lee himself said don't do it yeah he said don't create these let it go we need to move on don't do it it'll further divide the country but no they took him and made him the central figure of it, right?
1: Yeah, and pretended that he was a great military leader. That's like right. Like they knew. Right. You right. Know, Oh, yeah, it was, it was great. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Noble.
2: No, and, you know, I I remember talking to a sorority about him a couple of years ago. Apparently, they had, you know, sororities have their thing with them, too. I mean, not sororities, mm-hmm. uh, fraternities. Fraternities. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, there's yeah, a lot to undo. There's a lot to undo. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, listen, I, I I applaud the work that you that y'all have done and, and continue to do. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've worked with the with Southern Poverty Law Center and, and benefited from the from the work y'all have done uh, many, many times. And so I, I applaud all of that. And, and also the Sounds Like Hate podcast. Uh, you know, I think that it's, it's a very important piece and will reach a new audience um, Definitely. And, and hopefully influence people in, in a way uh, you know, to, to, to remove some of this ignorance uh, that, that we have that, that's so, oh, it's so daunting sometimes, but uh, listen, I really appreciate you taking some time. I know you're extremely busy and I, I re- we really appreciate you coming on.
2: Josh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for what, you know, you put truth out there every day and we, we, we see you and we appreciate you. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to talk about sounds like hate. You get it at wherever you get your podcast. We have two more episodes coming up on the monuments. One is the June second is moving to, to a community in Texas where someone qualifies for membership into the UDC, and then uh, June 9th, we look at Stone Mountain. And there's a lot happening in Stone, uh, around Stone Mountain right now, so you don't want to miss that.
1: Thanks so Absolutely. much. Absolutely, y'all check it out. Yes, ma'am. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Alicia David. Brooks with Take Southern Poverty Law sure. Center. Uh, She is uh, uh, great, and they they do great work. And and for real, check that out. Uh, I'm I'm really interested in the one about the the Stone Mountain. uh, stuff. Uh, I I really want to I really want to see that. But Alicia, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Bye bye, John. Bye, David. Bye bye. That's uh, man. They, uh, you know, I tell you, man. What she said there was was really uh, one one of the things she said was really something, and that is uh, that that the statues and monuments. Don't teach you the history. They tell me what you value. Yep, and that is, man, that is that is really really true. And i have never I never thought of it in that way. But yep. that is, that is that is something else. Yeah, uh, and it's, oh, it's a good podcast. Um, you know, uh, I speed it up. Uh, but it's uh, you know, I I have to uh, because <laughs> I, I listen. To, I you listen to audio books a
0: lot. Uh, I don't listen to audio books, <laughs> but I actually love uh, well, s- sound rich narrative podcast i do you oh, yeah? know i like, like ours i love like those. this one say what say what like this one yeah like i ours do
1: sound rich yeah uh, no, well ours is sound
0: Irish, rich it's... in a different way i mean i right you know we have a we have uh scintillating sometimes uh extraordinarily provocative and uh profane conversations which i think <laughs> yeah and, i like those too
1: you know, we should lean more on the profane, I think. We've not been hitting that nearly hard enough.
0: See, the problem with that is then my pastor will kick me out of my church.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's, well as you'll hear later in our right wing note of the week, you don't want to get kicked in a certain spot. Uh,
0: but uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he would kick me there, but he would definitely well, kick me out of the church, though. It, it,
1: If God's been speaking to him, he might. You never can tell. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) People are going to get that. They're going to get that when they hear. Yeah, exactly. See,
1: that's a... Man, listen, I... You know, I... I I think that... uh, that, You know, that that podcast is great. Uh, There are a lot of good podcasts. Let me tell you something before we get out of here. Mm -hmm. One one thing that's, that's been driving me crazy lately. What's that? How is it that Snowfall has never been nominated for an Emmy? Of any kind?
0: Dude... Excellent How question. Is this Excellent How is it possible? Excellent that That is a brilliant I mean, show. Brilliant.
1: I mean, just man, this episode, the fi- the finale. I guess it's the finale of season, like, finale, season three, yeah. where, where he is, where he is going back and showing what would have happened to him if he had gone to college and stuff, mm. and you know, uh, I, man, oh, that is, oh, it's, it's, oh, it's just a, it's just so good. I mean, it, the whole thing is so good and so authentic and so well acted and well written, and uh, it's a. You can't, listen,
0: man, you can't tell me that
1: The Handmaid's Tale is better than this, all right? Yeah. And
0: that damn Perry Mason show is not better than this. All right, look, man, I agree 100%. And what it has over those other two is it's actually based loosely on real history. Mm -hmm. I mean, on actual stuff that happened, so. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's just, anyways, I I know we're uh, way off of of uh, Alicia Brooks' segment <laughs> that we did for <laughs> her interview, but, but know, maybe she watches snowfall and she agrees. Yeah, I don't know, uh, but that's yeah. uh, I, I just I just thought it, it, you know we were talking about the, the audio, but I don't even know how I got there. But man, it just it's driving me nuts well, that it, it has not been nominated.
0: It's I think it's crazy. a very well done show, and I think uh, even though of course the great John Singleton is deceased now, and he was the yeah. I guess the primary creator of the show. They brought in Walter Mosley, who is. Yep. Uh, this, uh, you know, he's the author of uh, "Devil in a Blue Dress" and all of and mm-hmm. all of the Easy Rollins novels, and I mean, he's an, you know, I think I, I would have to imagine that his role there has helped mm-hmm. to to extend the, the you know the uh, the the just the validity and the reality of that series. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good.
1: It is. And I, tell, I tell you this too. They have they, somebody somebody on that team that does that has to be a veteran of Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. Somebody on there has to be because I've noticed... The, the changing of, of kind of the way it's shot in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. and, and these sort of weird angles that you saw a lot on Breaking Bad where, you know, you'll be, uh, there, there was one the other day where basically you, the, the camera was sitting atop a, a, a drink tray that somebody was, you know, a waiter's <laughs> tray that somebody was, you know, and it was just, it was kind of shot that way as they were walking through the, mm-hmm. and I'm I like, man, this looks exactly like Breaking Bad, uh, like like a, a, an angle that was that would be on there. And it's just those, those sorts of, it's so good. It's not, it's so good, but, you know, and all right, so so you've got two assignments. Watch Snowfall and listen to Sounds Like Hate yep. podcast. Uh yep. and that's what you've learned from this segment. That's right. Um
0: entirely different and, types yeah. of programs, but both really, really good.
1: Yeah. And you don't get that kind of in sequen- inconsequential shit from anywhere That's else. It. Okay. Uh, or unrelated. I shouldn't say inconsequential, but unrelated yeah. uh, stuff from any other podcast That's it. that just randomly tossed out in your face. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right.
0: It's Random um, drops of brilliance. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, nice. I'll go with that. <laughs> I, did, I was not thinking brilliance, but I'll go with that. Uh, all right, let's Let's uh, let's slide out of here. We'll be back to wrap this thing up in just a minute. I'll on politics this week. All righty. Welcome back in Alabama politics this week. Uh wrapping this thing up here. Uh we you know I, I think um we we talked at length in the open about the uh situation in Montgomery and um you know we and we've spent a couple of shows on the Huntsville deal. And so I just wanted to, to update, you know we we offered uh Mayor Tommy Battle a, a spot on the on the podcast to come on and uh he blew us off. Uh so because, you know, why go on some place where they might ask you actual questions, I guess. I mean we you know, listen, we're we're professional people here. We weren't gonna come we, we he was we were not gonna yell and scream at Tommy Battle and and try to make him look foolish. Uh yeah. but, you know, we do know the facts of what happened and so we were gonna ask him, you know, pertinent questions about, you know, the the Derby situation and about the uh the report uh for the city and um uh,
0: you know. Well this may sound strange, but I actually understand also why Tommy may not have wanted to come on because um you know he and I are sitting across the table on this issue it, at least we were negotiating and now we're sitting across the table i guess in a in a holding pattern uh and uh so it may it may be a little complicated for him to to uh you know to to balance those two realities where you know, and and I don't say that as a I'm not saying that to be demeaning or, or dismissive. I'm just saying, in mm-hmm. fact, I even when you suggested that, I even thought, hmm, I wonder how whether or not that would complicate things for for me on my end. But I was willing to, you know, if he was willing to come on, I was willing to do it. So, yeah. you know,
1: well, I mean, you know, I don't to me. This is how I always kind of look at things. And I understand that there there are situations, especially with policing and, and things like that, that, that have to be kept private and and things for a period of time, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, a- after a situation has already run its course, and this Darby thing has run its course. All right. I mean, it's it's there's nothing else to be had. There, there's no evidence. You're, you're not you know, there's nothing right. going to be presented. You're not tainting an investigation. You're not doing anything. If you can't now come on and answer questions about that,
0: mm-hmm. then,
1: you know, why, what what secret, you know, thing are you trying to keep private there? You know, and, and so that to me is you know, there, there's no reason why these things can't be talked about in public and, and to explain to people. And if you've got if you've got nothing to hide about it, then you shouldn't have any problems answering whatever questions comes your way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, now, I mean, I, I think it's very fair to say, you know, that you don't want to do things because you're afraid that somebody uh, who has been disingenuous in the past. May paint it a certain way uh you know or try to you know uh, do it you know do something to to your answers or shape it in a way that that's unfair we're not we're not being unfair to him uh, you know uh, and 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 would never be unfair to him right. uh, about these things and and that's that's just the bottom line you know I wanted them to come on because uh, literally the one question I wanted to ask him was do you feel like what uh, the way that William Darby portrayed himself that, and, and handled himself at the scene of that shooting was proper. That's all I wanted to, uh, that's really the, the, the question. I, I wanted to ask him if he felt that that was proper, because that's the only way you can get to uh, that. He felt the the, the jury was, uh, was wrong was that he felt that William Darby acted properly. And, and if, is that the way he wants his police department to behave?
0: Right. And I will say, and of course I, Again, I have a conflict of interest here that's obvious, but I would say based on what Tommy has said to me directly, uh, as well as State Representative Laura Hall and some others who were in the meeting with him, that he did feel he had acted properly because, as he has said to us and has said to the public, actually, uh, you know, he was doing what he was trained to do.
1: I mean, that that's, that's insanity to me. It's insanity yeah. to me. To well, think I think that,
0: it is too. Yeah. Uh,
1: to think that that yeah. man, I mean, you can say, I can, I can even allow you the wiggle room to say, I don't think that he should be charged with murder, mm-hmm. but I don't think that what he did was proper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can, I can allow you that. Now I don't believe that. I believe that what he did was murder. I believe that he, he it was a reckless disregard for another human being's life. Uh, and he acted like a complete ass to somebody uh, who was uh, going through a mental health crisis at that particular time, had called for help, never threatened his life, and he shot him simply because he refused to have any understanding uh, of another human being. And I feel that is murder every day in my book. Um, But if you want to take a position here that— I don't think that he acted properly in the mm-hmm. way that he handled things with this this other human being. But I think that what he did uh, was was manslaughter. Um, you mm-hmm. know, then I, I am I can I, I can say, oh, you know what? I mean, you know, I don't I disagree with you, but I understand your position on this. Uh, I don't I cannot wrap my head around it. To me, it is. It's just. It's irresponsible and an insanity to me to say that that man acted properly when he went in that room and inside of less than 10 seconds uh, shot, shot a man who was having a conversation with another officer and who never pointed his weapon at anybody. That's, I I just, I can't, I can't, you know, and no,
0: there's, I mean, I'm with you, Josh, a hundred percent. There's nothing plausible about what happened that day in my mind. Um, it was reckless. It was, uh, it was it was murder i yeah. i think i i just i mean i i can't even say it was manslaughter he yeah. he this police officer i believe because he was there such a short time he had to have come to that scene uh with a certain disposition and yes. and that's that's that was the basis uh, on which he proceeded to pull the trigger, and so I, I say it was murder, and I say the jury was right, I think the district attorney was right and and i'm and I'm still stunned that the mayor in particular that the mayor uh, is looking at at the district attorney's actions and still saying what he's saying i just i yeah. don 't understand it
1: uh, you know, and there was another post on uh, on reddit um, in the in the Huntsville. Uh, subreddit uh about this allegedly from another juror mm-hmm. uh this one was the juror that had the medical issue um and uh, allegedly had the you know this was from that person um and but i'll say you know whether or not that was true or not they the person whoever whoever wrote the post pointed out uh, some some pretty strong things which is you know all this talk about how he followed uh, protocol and you know he did he followed his training well no he didn't he, he, he broke training about 10 different times um, uh, from, from the very start, from, from barging in and not assessing the situation, from not securing the scene outside, as he should have done, mm. um, from, uh, from stepping in front of a man with a gun. Uh, from, I mean, it, from, there were a, a number of things that they talked about during the course of that trial uh, that he, where uh, Darby performed outside of training. Right. Uh, it up until after this was over with removing something from his trunk, the trunk of his car, uh, turning off his body camera for a period of time to, I, I mean, there was, uh, there were a number of things that he did that were, that were outside of the training. So to say, Oh, well, this man acted within the training, followed it to the T. No, he didn't. He didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. And so to act as though the only thing within the training that he did right Would shoot a man in the face that wasn't threatening him is insane. I I just,
0: no argument for me at all. I agree with you (laughs) one thousand percent.
1: Still
0: being paid,
1: employed by the city today. Still
0: being employed now. uh, And this is, and this is still a subject of debate, as we've noted. Two two U.S. two former U.S. attorneys have raised this as an issue of concern. And, and I, and I've also been told, in fact, I think I actually looked it up. There is, uh, there is Mm -hmm. a law that, um, is on the books that prevents a police. I'm trying to remember it exactly because I don't have it in front of me, but it presents, it prevents a person who's been committed from a felony who works for a local Mm -hmm. or state government from receiving their pension, their pension. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Darby should, at this point, no longer be eligible for a pension. But you'd have to think, if there was that law there, mm-hmm. why wouldn't there also be a law that says that if you've been convicted of a felony, that you should no longer be paid by a municipality or or state government? Let
1: me ask you a question. Yeah. Let me ask you a question.
0: Yeah. Do you think
1: that if tomorrow they go in and catch the custodian stealing money from the petty cash drawer, mm-hmm. do you think that that guy's still going to be employed three weeks from now?
0: I do not. I do no. not.
1: Hell no, that guy would be. much less three mm-hmm. years. I do not. You know, and that's, listen. That, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about a guy uh, who is uh, you know who's just been accused of a crime here. Because when Darby was accused of a crime, mm-hmm. that was three years ago. All right. So he's been getting paid this whole time, including paying for his attorney uh, during the course of this. So, so this went on for all that time and they paid for his attorney. So the, the accusation of, of murder has gone on for for that period of time. uh, And then the conviction has only been three weeks. Hell, if you caught the guy who's cleaning the place over there, stealing money from the, from the cash
0: drawer, he'd be gone uh, in three
1: weeks on just the accusation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, And, and and I, I don't, I don't argue with you there. I would say um, and and I and we may not agree on this but I would say as problematic as and I think you laid it out well as problematic as it is I don't actually have a problem with Darby being paid uh up up to conviction and that's only because and that's only because the uh and, and we can question the veracity of this of this entity but the but that review board cleared him. Yeah. So yeah. because it cleared him, even again, we can question the veracity of that process, mm-hmm. and and I'd be right up there with you in doing it. Yeah. But they cleared him. No, no, I don't disagree with that. Matter of fact, I think I said on here before. I, I, I don't,
1: I don't have a problem with with police in most cases being being placed on administrative leave with pay. Yeah. Uh, because I do think they are in a position, much like teachers, mm-hmm. uh, they're in a position where they often are uh, are victims of false accusations mm-hmm. uh and that have to be explored uh and have to be you know even even if what they what you know what somebody claims is only partially true you know it, it most of the time in those, in those cases, that doesn't rise to a fireable offense. Right. Uh, you know, where, you know, they may have broken some form of protocol, but it wasn't to the extent where you know, they violated someone's rights or something like that. Uh, so, you know, I, I feel, yeah, I'm with you. I think that, that that you know, if they can pay them until until there is a guilty verdict uh, or an admission or whatever uh, in there, I, I'm fine with that. I, I I was just saying, I was just drawing the comparison to the to the guy, you mm-hmm. know, the, the the petty guys on the uh, on the employee city's budget, and uh, you know, I just, I just, I think that we, we, they've set up a double standard here. Um, you know, because let's be honest, that what we have done now in the country is we've talked up uh, police and and soldiers in a lot of cases to to the hero status there, and in a, in a lot of cases they are heroes. Okay, oh, they yeah. are they are yeah. doing a tough job that nobody wants to do.
0: That's right. Um, and and yeah.
1: not receiving. You know, not receiving things that they were promised in Mm -hmm. in the case of a lot of veterans uh, out there. All right. Uh, But when you do that and you assign that level of of status to somebody and make them above reproach, you have these issues here where you set double standards up that that are unfair and and are are flatly wrong. And I I think that's what's taking place in a lot of cases now. And they're, they're just men. You know, Mm -hmm. they're just men and women out Mm -hmm. there doing a job. Are most of them doing it well and and above what you should expect? Absolutely, they are. But some of them fall fall short of of what we expect and and what the law expects. That's right. You know, we ought to be able to prosecute those people and we all ought to be able to say that shit's wrong and Mm -hmm. we're going to hold you accountable for that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not anti-police to say
0: that. You're holding Um, people accountable is not anti-police.
1: Now that's what the police do, you yeah, know.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's
1: literally. So, uh, is this? Uh, I mean, it just sometimes drives me crazy, man. But, uh, uh-huh. anyways, I, so we uh, we're we're up to our our right wing note of the week, right? Uh-huh. I mean. uh, oh,
0: listen, yeah, you have to t- you have to tell me about this one. I hadn't heard. Did, did, I hadn't heard about this one. This is sounds crazy. Kansas
1: State Representative Mark Samsel. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He was arrested a few weeks ago after he kicked a student in the crotch at a school where he was substitute teaching, um, this was, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, listen. it's uh, Videos taken by students from the class uh, show Samsel talking to the students about God, the Bible, masturbation, and suicide before he before the alleged uh, physical altercation. The oh. video shows uh, some of the physical con- physical contact between Samson and the student who was allegedly kicked, though it does not show the kicking. Uh, You're about to anger me and get the wrath of God. Do you believe me when I tell you God has been speaking to me? Samsel says at one point in the video. Uh, Samsel, it shows Samsel grabbing the teenager, uh, and, uh, then, <laughs> and then Samsel threatening to quote, kick him in the balls.
0: And then he did so about 10 minutes later, according to the student. Was uh, not, not that it matters, but mm-hmm. I am not that it matters in terms of the wrong that was done to this child, but was this at a public school?
1: Oh, yes, it was.
0: Yes. He was talking oh, yeah. about God and Prayer and masturbation at a yeah. public school? Uh, the high schoolers uh,
1: recorded Samson making a series of bizarre remarks, including telling the students to quote unquote make babies. Who likes making babies? That feels good, doesn't it? Procreate. You haven't masturbated? Don't answer that question. God already knows, he is heard saying on the footage. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Republicans in Kansas are very concerned.
0: They're concerned.
1: They're concerned. Much like Susan Collins, they're very concerned by this.
0: <laughs> this All guy righty. this guy definitely qualifies as a right wing nut, that's for sure. Oh, he's
1: he he just qualifies as a flat out nut, I think. He's yeah. not even he, he's on the right wing, but he's definitely a nut.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. That's going to do it for us for this week. I uh, hope you enjoyed our depressing show. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Thanks to uh, to Alicia Brooks and the folks at SBOC and our fabulous producer who puts this all together for us. All right. Until next week, y'all be safe out there. Peace.